Uh, hello and welcome to Well Read with Justin Chapman. I'm your host, Justin Chapman, the author of the book Saturnalia, Traveling from Cape Town to Kampala in Search of an African Utopia, a memoir about my travels across Africa published by Rare Bird Books. My guest today is Ryan Bell, the founder of Life After God, which is a consulting firm uh, based in Pasadena that helps those who are struggling to find meaning after losing their religion by providing personal and group coaching, retreats, and online resources uh, such as podcasts. The organization grew out of Ryan's experience and transition from a uh, conservative pastor to a non-believer. And in 2014, he decided to try a, a full calendar year without God to explore his budding atheism. Ryan, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Uh, so I, I recently interviewed Ryan and wrote an article about his experience and work with Life After God, and that was published in the September 1st, 2016 issue of the Pasadena Weekly, which you can find at PasadenaWeekly.com. And, and Ryan, I'm really interested in your story because uh, I can I can certainly relate. I wasn't a pastor, obviously, but I was raised Catholic and went to Catholic school from kindergarten to eighth grade. And and uh, my family is is you know um, uh, Irish Catholic family and somewhere around sixth grade I thought uh, you know I, I don't know about this something about this doesn't make sense to me and and I kind of haven't looked back since so I'm interested in that uh, people making that transition so t- tell us a little bit about your experience and how the year without God mm-hmm. idea came about. Yeah, so I was uh, not raised Catholic, but I I was definitely raised religious. Uh, my folks were Methodists when I was born, and uh, through some twists and turns in my family, we became Seventh-day Adventists when I was uh, pretty young, about six or seven years old. And um, I guess I always felt like a spiritual kid, like I was always interested in the Bible and church. And and I suppose if I wasn't raised in a religious family, I probably would have been sort of philosophically inclined, and maybe I would have majored in philosophy in, in school. Um, but instead, I, I went into theology, and uh, I tried, um, you know, I tried a few other degrees. Um, I have a lot of interests in life, you know, so I, you know, history and literature. Um, but I ended up in theology and became a pastor right out of undergrad. So I was 22, 23 years old, and um, was a pastor from that point um, up until 2013. So for 19 years, I, I served in the Seventh-day Adventist Church as a pastor, but in uh, several different uh, cities, uh, Philadelphia, and then finally in Hollywood, California, where I, uh, where I resigned. So in 2013, uh, by this time, I had become pretty liberal, I would say, in my, well, clearly liberal in my political views and also quite liberal in my religious views, my understanding of what the Bible is and how it works and uh, theology. And the denomination had come to the point where they were pretty much at the end of their rope with me. Um, I was not Mm -hmm. what they really were looking for in a Seventh-day Adventist pastor. And in 2013, Mm -hmm. we came to a parting of the ways um, so yeah, that was in, in April of 2013. And by the end of that year, nine months later, I really was feeling like my issues might be less denominational and, and more having to do with Christianity more broadly. And then even deeper than mm-hmm. that with theism. 
so I decided to embark on this year in 2014, uh, where I just really examined closely, you know, the claims of Christianity and the evidence for and against uh, Christianity and atheism, and, and try to figure out what I really believed. And 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 you got uh, quite a bit of coverage of that, right? Because you wrote a blog during that year, um, and a lot of major new, uh, media outlets covered it, right? Yeah, I mean, that was totally unexpected. I had been writing for Huffington Post in the religion section mostly for quite a while, four or five years. And so when I wrote this initial blog post, I, I started a blog called Year Without God. But like like a lot of people, you put up a blog, like nobody is reading it until they know it's there. So I thought, well, I'll cross-post mm-hmm. this initial post on the Huffington Post, and I'll... Um, you know, see if anybody on the Huffington Post is interested. Well, in in the space of like 36 hours, I had been contacted by two or three podcasters, uh, by CNN um, and uh, the LA Times and eventually uh, the BBC and, and NPR. I was on um, Morning Edition, uh, uh, or no, All Things Considered. It was the weekend edition of All Things Considered. Um, at the beginning mm-hmm. of my year and at the end of my year. So, yeah, it did get quite a bit of coverage. Surprised and there was a bunch, of, uh, a bunch of criticism as well, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the typical thing you would expect, you know, Christians thought I was, uh, you know, playing fast and loose with my soul. Um, but <laughs> atheists also thought that maybe I was playing games, you know, that I was really still a Christian, two things, either, either I was still a Christian and I was just pretending to be an atheist so that I could get inside and see what was going on and then go back and report to Christians that, you know, atheists uh, are no good. Uh, Or Mm -hmm. that I was actually already an atheist and I was just taking this year to kind of milk it for the media coverage or something like that. Because the media coverage was so outrageous, I, I, nobody would believe me that I had no idea that it would be a big deal. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, is there enough material from your blog that you could turn it into a book or have you thought about writing a book? Yeah, I am actually working on a book. Um, some of it from the blog material and some of it, uh, it's a memoir. So it's reflecting back over my childhood, um, as a believer and how I was converted and what my childhood experiences and my young adult experiences were in the church. None of that I really wrote about in the blog. Uh, but then the second part of the book starts to explore, um, you know, the year without God uh, experiences. So I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm working with an agent in New York and we're trying to get that, you know, a home. Uh, I'm still mm-hmm. writing it, um, but we're, yeah, we're looking for a publisher for that. Cool. Um, and uh, what were a couple of things during this year without God that, that convinced you that, God doesn't exist or, or made you change your mind on that? Yeah. I mean, I think it was, um, I mean, there's so many things, but I think one thing is, um, what philosophers of religion call the hiddenness of God. Um, so, you know, my, my idea from my childhood and from the Bible, frankly, uh, and this is a, a quote from the Bible that if we seek God with all our hearts, we'll find him. And, and I guess I thought that all my life that I had found him uh, because I convinced myself that these experiences of, you know, sort of transcendence that I was having were experiences of God. 
but the more my doubts grew, uh, the more distant God seemed to me, the more silent God seemed to me, and um, the less involved in my life and the life of others in the world. And this is closely connected to the problem of evil as well, you know, that if I I pray and ask God, you know, for peace in my heart because I'm having anxiety about this job interview or something that I have, and I feel peace, you know, that's wonderful, God answered my prayers, but, you know, why is God not answering the prayers of, you know, mothers and fathers all over the world whose kids are dying of any number of causes? And so all of these things, you know, kind of really challenge that, that belief that God is present, that God is available, that if we just seek God, we'll find Him. Um, I wasn't what a lot of Christians wanted me to be, which was this rebellious, stubborn person who was basically just turning his back on God. I really wanted to hear from God. Um, and so the question becomes, if, if I really, truly want to hear from God, and God really wants a relationship with me, then what, what's the problem? And uh, mm-hmm. so this is one of the big, the big for me, the big, big issues. Um, you know, the Bible, you know, the, the, the challenges ethically, morally in the Bible and the inconsistencies and problems in the Bible were another uh, big factor, I would say. Yeah. And, and so, uh, as you know, I recently interviewed and wrote a story about uh, Bart Campolo for USC student newspaper. And he's the, uh, the yeah. humanist chaplain there counseling students who don't believe in God. And he went through a similar path as yours. And and he, say, he says that he's not angry at the church because the church didn't hurt him. Are, are, are you angry at the church? Do you feel betrayed or lied to? Yeah, I, I've felt a little bit uh, betrayed at times. But in the end, you know, when, they, when we came to the parting of the ways, uh, sometimes I felt like they fired me. Other times I felt like I resigned. It was probably a little bit of both. <laughs> Um, you Uh know, I, I had some resentment about that, but in the end, I have to admit they did the right thing. Like I'm, I'm not a good representative of their views. Um, even though it caused me, uh, a serious challenge in terms of my career and my finances and all of that, uh, I can't really fault them for making that decision. Um, I think they're wrong about their beliefs, but I think if they want pastors to represent them, then I'm, I certainly at that point wasn't one of those anymore. Uh, I sometimes say I was the last one to find out. Um, mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think people in general have been really kind to me. There are the exceptions, but I think those people would be hostile people, no matter what their belief system. They just think that hostility or that antipathy towards people that are different than them would carry with them depend, you know, regardless of which, you know, belief system they were a part of. So, I mean, I think the church in general has been fairly gracious towards me. I have to, I have to say. Uh-huh. Um, and, um, uh, Bart's father also was, and is very public and influential, uh, evangelist. And, um, yeah. they're doing a documentary about Bart's relationship with his father after he told them that he, that he's no longer a Christian and, and, and they're writing a book about that whole situation. Uh, and, and so, so what was that like with you, with your parents? Your parents were pretty religious as well, right? Yeah, my dad is, um, I mean, they're both lay people. Uh, my mom and dad broke up, you know, pretty early in my life and took different paths in their life. My mom lives, uh, in Southern Oregon and, isn't really religious by by which I mean, like she doesn't go to church, but I would say she's a spiritual person. She believes in God. She's, uh, you know, 
I would say she probably would say she believes, you know, that the Bible is a, a good representation of God's will and that sort of thing. My dad's really religious. Mm-hmm. He goes to church every, uh, well, we were Seventh-day Adventists, so he goes to church every Saturday. Uh, he's the treasurer, not only of his church, but of a few other Seventh-day Adventist churches in the area, and uh, is a very active participant in his church. And um, it's been a strain on our relationship, for sure, and uh, we haven't really mm-hmm. explored it the way Bart and, and Tony have done. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, that's tough. I, I mean, I have the same thing uh, with my mom. She's she's uh, uh, very religious, and 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 the rest of my extended family. Um, it could, I mean, it's just like a, a, a looking at life in a totally different way from your family is um, a, a pretty big divide. Yeah, it's challenging. I mean, and and you know, frankly, my my dad and I have a lot of things that we differ about. You know, politics, um, religion. Um, you know, well, maybe those are the two big ones, <laughs> you know? So my, yeah. my dad and I see the world quite differently um, in, in ways that go beyond religion. Um, and mm-hmm. and so that's hard, you know, because your your parents are people that you really want to relax and let your guard down and just hang out with and talk. And, and I feel like I don't, I'm not a conflict uh, person. I really don't like conflict. So I tend mm-hmm. to think, you know, if I'm going to spend, uh, a day with my dad uh, or my mom or my grandmother or whoever in my family, uh, I would rather not spend it debating about religion because I know that they're not going to convince me and I'm pretty sure I'm not going to convince them. That's not even my agenda. Um, so yeah. I tend to just avoid those topics when talking to my parents. Sure. Um, uh, and, uh, so any news on the documentary that, uh, is being made about you? Yeah, there, um, I, last I heard the, the picture is, you know, complete the edit. Um, and now it's a matter of, um, you know, sound editing and, and scoring and, um, color correction and all of those, uh, wonderfully detailed, uh, post-production, um, things. So, yeah, uh-huh. I, um, I think it should be available somehow, some way by by the beginning of next year. I'm I'm hopeful. Uh, it's been a little long in the process, but films can can be a little bit that way sometimes. Did, now, did they follow you um, from before you um, decided to do this year without God, or is it sort of post uh, that transition? You know, the guy that started the project, I was friends with the two guys before. They had actually come to my church a few times and were sort of on their way out as well. Um, They Hmm. followed me from like day three, uh, but they have some archive footage from like sermons I've given and some other stuff that um, to kind of fill in that backstory. So, I mean, the, the bulk of the film will be about the year without God, but it will be, um, you know, contained within a story about my life as a pastor, my gradual sort of liberalizing views and theology and, you know, the way that my family evolved through all of that. So uh, I think it'll be a, a pretty comprehensive picture, but yeah, unfortunately they weren't filming before. I mean, when they heard about year without God, they were like, Oh my gosh, we need to get a camera on this just, you know, in, in case. <laughs> yeah. happens. Right. Um, and so tell me about your uh, consulting work with uh, Life After God. What what services do you offer, and, and do you find that, that people are really needing that support after giving up God? 
Yeah, you know, it's it's um it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think some people um, who perhaps weren't as enmeshed in religion are happy to discover that it's all um, you know a big myth, and they walk away and never look back. Um, and I I feel great about those folks. I'm happy for them. Uh, the sad reality is that a lot of people uh, don't have that experience. They uh, step away from religion, and in so doing, they basically uproot um, sort of the taproot of their life, which contains their family and their all of their relationships, their network, and their sense of well-being and their sense of belonging to something bigger than themselves and all the rest. Mm-hmm. So it's a worldview uh, reorientation in some ways. I, in some ways, I'm skeptical of the concept of a worldview, but if, if we just sort of take that notion of a worldview on its face for, for just a second, I mean, I think the idea of like how you see the world, how you view the world, as we said a second ago with our families, it's really different. And how do you, a lot of people go through a crisis of um, sort of purpose and meaning. How do you find meaning and purpose outside of a relationship with religion and, and God? Other people, you know, struggle with, well, you know, what's the source of my ethics? You know, other people are struggling with, most people, I would say, probably are just struggling with relationships. Like, how do I carry on my marriage? How do I carry on parenting my children? Um, What about my parents, like you and I have discussed? And uh, so a lot of the coaching work that we do, and we're sort of uh, expanding that coaching work this coming um, 12 months, we... um, we do Skype and phone uh, and in person if it's possible. Um, there's a few coaches now that are a part of the network, and we basically just walk people through uh, some of the uh, some tools and and uh, some uh, thought processes that help them kind of begin to cope with this change that they've gone through. Um, the podcast is another resource um, of, of that uh, we're we're a year into the podcast, about forty six or so episodes now. And uh, I have one segment of the podcast called X files, which is just really first person stories of people who have left faith and religion behind and um, just whatever their experience was. And they vary from, you know, from episode to episode. And more than anything, I think people find those stories empowering because they can relate to aspects of them and they feel that they're um, not alone. I think people feel a little bit when they're like, when they're starting to deconvert, they feel crazy. Like maybe they've lost their minds or they feel really alone. Like they're the only one they know that's going through this. Um, And when they discover that they're not alone and that other people have had the same experiences, they feel less crazy and less alone. And that's really a huge, huge step forward for them. Yeah, there's a lot of comments like that on on the Life After God Facebook page. Like this, this help you know makes me feel less alone. Yes, it's re- it's remarkable. You know, like I think it's you know imagine contracting an, an unusual disease, and your doctor tells you that you have this very rare disease, and that it might you might survive it or it might kill you. You know, you don't know, and you're terrified mm-hmm. and you feel alone because you've never even heard of this disease before, let alone another person who's had it. So you go online and you start Googling and you find this little support group where people that have this disease talk to one another and instantly you feel that a little bit better. Like, okay, I'm not alone. Right. You know, and Mm -hmm. atheism isn't a disease, but it is alienating like that because we, you know, religion 
uh, is like, man, it wraps all its tentacles around every aspect of your life. That can be a really positive thing for yeah. some people. But when it dies, it touches every other part of your life. Mm-hmm. And, and it's so in, ingrained in society, too. Yeah. Yeah, especially if you live in the South or the Midwest, you know, you... Right. You know, you can barely get through a day without hearing some public reference to God. Um, Mm -hmm. Whether it's a politician, you know, invoking God, or whether it's a billboard or a church sign that you drive by, or, you know, it's just you feel really abnormal if you don't believe in God. Um, So, uh, so, uh, Ryan, you recently did uh, like a strategy uh, strategy session in Idaho, right? What, What came out of that meeting? Yeah, so um Brian, my my uh my partner in all of this, um actually he came along as a volunteer just helping me do some social media stuff and has become, you know, my my number one partner in all of this. He's um uh, a therapist himself. And so what we really were strategizing about is how do we uh make the coaching slash counseling aspect of life after God more available to more people. So it involves really mm-hmm. clarifying our values and what we, um, you know, kind of the, the framework that we uh, come to this coaching practice with um, kind of the goals that we have in mind for uh, people's experience of this transition and then recruiting some coaches and then really reaching out to the public to try to make our service uh, available to people who need it. And this is one of the big challenges because people who are deconverting or leaving faith aren't public about it and aren't like just advertising all over the place that they're, you know, uh, kind of bummed out because they're, you know, they don't know what they believe anymore. And so because they're sort of in hiding, they have a hard time finding the resources like we have people in our secret Facebook page. They can't even like our public Facebook page for fear that someone will see that they've liked it and begin interrogating them about why. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you have a population that's sort of in secret and hiding, um, it's hard to find them and reach out to them and have dialogue with them. Um, So we're, we're trying to find ways that we can sort of advertise what we're doing through some other uh, psychology networks, other coaching and counseling networks where um, people could find out that we exist and seek us out. Um, but before all of that, we really want to get sort of our rubric together, like what's our strategy for um, working with individuals and getting some coaches on board that we can refer clients to. So we're going to try to develop a, a referral system where people can um, receive clients from us uh, and they would be independent contractors, but they would receive referrals from us. And then we would build a network of coaches so that we can then begin coaching the coaches and kind of learning from one another and developing a deeper understanding of this process of losing faith and what people really need when they're going through that. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Well, well, hopefully, you know, my article on um, life after God and, and uh, this podcast and stuff will help, help, uh, get some exposure. I hope so. No, I really appreciate it. I mean, I, I'm trying to be uh, available for as many podcasts as I can do. 
um, other, you know, media opportunities because I just, um, you know, so far it's, it's certainly not a sustainable business for me at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, but I continue to do it because, um, I, I know from personal experience how important those relationships are as you're going through such a huge transition in, in your life. And uh, I just feel like there's a gap in, in what's available for folks. I really want to be able to meet those mm-hmm. needs. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, you, you recently de- debated a, a Christian, right, at, at, in Northridge? How did that event go? It went well, yeah. I mean, it wasn't really billed as a debate, and I, that was kind of part of my interest was that it not be a debate uh, in, a, in the traditional oh, yeah. sense. Um, so it was moderated by this British radio host named Justin Brierley, and he has a, a very popular radio show called Unbelievable with a question mark. And, um, mm-hmm. he is on every week and he usually brings, um, two guests, one from the Christian side and one from the atheist side, or, or sometimes two different brands of Christianity that have some issue to debate. And uh, again, it's a sort of a soft debate, like he moderates it really nicely. You know, one side presents what they think and the other side presents what they think. And then he asks them questions. And even though he's a Christian, he does a pretty good job of pressing the Christian on some of the problems. Um, so he's a, he's a very good moderator, even though he has his own uh, viewpoint, obviously, on everything like we all do. Um, so mm-hmm. it was good. It was in front of a large audience, like 500 people. Um, and, uh, it was, it was cordial. I mean, I think we, you know, we ran aground of some of the usual, uh, topics or issues like, you know, intelligent design and fine tuning of the universe and it, you know, emergence doesn't like, doesn't the emergence of consciousness in human beings indicate there must be a God you know, so sort of some of the classic indicators that some Christians use to say, well, certainly there's a God. And, and then yeah. I, I just, you know, you know, so there, there's a limit to some of those conversations, but it was good. And actually I'm going to be meeting up with him uh, tomorrow, I think, just to have a, a conversation, you know, just off the record, just as friends. And we're going to see if we can keep mm-hmm. the conversation going. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. Cool. Did, did you see, it reminds me of, um, the debate between um, uh, Bill Nye and Ken Ham. Did you see that? I did. I did. Yeah, this was nothing quite as ridiculous as that. Um, <laughs> because Ken Ham's uh-huh. views are very, very, um, very specific and very um, mm-hmm. fundamentalist. I would say Sean is far more open to a long age of the earth, a kind of, you know, almost like a theistic evolution, it sounds to me like. Um, but yeah, it's it's almost like two people talking past each other when it's like Ken Ham and Bill Nye. <laughs> they're, right. They're just coming at, at the subject from two completely different viewpoints. Yeah. Um, well, so do you have any uh, other um, scheduled upcoming events? At the moment, I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm planning in, in the springtime, we're planning to um, have a Life After God conference, just kind of an event for people to meet up and, and we'll have some speakers, but we'll probably also have a kind of retreat environment in which people can work through together in groups and with some guidance, some of the issues of deconversion. 
Um, I don't even know what city that'll be in yet, but it looks like it'll probably be mm-hmm. somewhere in the Midwest or the South. Uh, it seems like mm-hmm. most people who are, you know, struggling with that the most um, are in those more conservative Christian areas. Um, so, yeah, right. we'll have our own event, you know, next year. I was going to do one this fall, but the year just got away from me um, trying to... I, I work, actually, in the beer business. I'm a, I, I work for a brewery. Uh, in downtown LA. So my full-time job is, mm-hmm. is not any of the stuff that we're talking about right now. So I stay pretty right. busy. Uh, cool. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for so much for having me. Uh, we just heard from Ryan Bell, founder of Life After God. Learn more at lifeaftergod.org. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Well Read. I'm your host, Justin Chapman, author of the travel memoir, Saturnalia, traveling from Cape Town to Kampala in search of an African utopia. Join us next time on Well Read with Justin Chapman. A life well read is a life well spent, so pick up a damn book already. See you next time.